Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh man... I'm such a dickhead because I'm a day late with the podcast because genuinely I do not know what day it is half the time. I was meant to be in Birmingham to film a new project. I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a second series of an old project or like an existing project that films in the jewelry quarter of Birmingham for the BBC. I mean, it's all the glitter series too. And then filming dates got moved around a little bit. So I kind of like just magically had four days off. And I used those four days to forget what fucking day it was. Did I get enough notice to cancel the Airbnb? No. But Birmingham, I'm excited to be in your city later this week. Sorry for having the podcast late. I hope you enjoy it when it comes out today. The other reason I'm disappointed in myself is because I came up here to this quiet room and I brought with me a few snacks, delicious raspberry naked bar and like a child's fruit peeler. You know how there's like dried fruit and we give it to kids and it's supposed to be healthy, but it's really just sugar. I have a lot of those child snacks and I brought some nice things for myself and then I voraciously devoured them before I even started the podcast. So fuck me. Now I have no more snacks. Oh, well... Last week's podcast was a spicy one because we talked about the vaccine. We talked about me hating cats following the birth of my beautiful son, baby Fred. And I know I do the emails last, but I'm going to get to the emails to start with today because you have been so outspoken about the cat. Lots of advice, lots of commiserations, lots of people hate their own cats as well. I even got an email to my agency from Cats Protection Society being like, we heard Catherine's podcast and we would like to come on and offer tips on how to love your pet. No. No, no, I'm sorry, Cats Protection. I know you do wonderful work, but this podcast is not going to become a cat people podcast. I don't want to encourage cat people. This is the first and last time you'll be hearing about the cat. So let's not, you know, start a whole thing. Um, Let's just get to the bottom of it now. What do people have to say about their cats, loving their cats, hating their cats, having different emotions towards animals following the birth of a human baby? Let's see. Here's one. Cats is not only a terrible musical, Catherine, and one of the worst movies ever made, but cats are also feral. You should not apologize for wanting to get yours out of your house. However, you can embrace the dirt the dogs bring into your house because the germs will boost Fred's immune system and he will be better for it. Congrats on the baby. Thank you, Craig. Here's another. Catherine, just listening to your latest podcast and I completely understand where you're coming from. We have a dog. We got him in 2012 and then in 2019 we had our little girl. I was already indifferent about the dog because he's not friendly and he's an absolute nightmare when people come over. But following my daughter's birth, I felt even worse. I just didn't want him anywhere near us. I hated how much he shed. 
He's a German shepherd, so it was everywhere, and the dirt he'd bring in would make me cry. He shakes, and he leaves streaks of dribble up the walls and cabinets. We've since moved. Now we have a double garage, so we've set him up an area in there, and then we let him sleep in the house. Still, the hair gets everywhere. I don't have any advice. I just want to say I I sympathize, (laughs) and I've never heard anyone else talk about it. Thanks. Ooh, advice from the Cat Castle. Catherine, your last podcast got me thinking about a number of things. When I was born, my mom had similar feelings about her dog and decided to get rid of him. My mom's pretty much the coolest, and I'm in awe of her every day. So in my book, your feelings are just indicative of what a great mom you are. I was the oldest, so there was no violet type to protest the removal of the dog. Just in case you were interested in trying to correct the behavior, though, I reached out to my aunt, who's basically a cat expert. She runs an organization called the Cat Castle, and she has 14 cats of her own? Yeesh. Apparently, what your cat is doing is a normal cat stress response, and it's super correctable. Hmm. She recommends restricting the cat's access to a room or two with her food, litter, favorite toys, and bed. This will help the cat relax in a space that makes her feel safe and gets her back on track. There are pheromone diffusers that can also be useful. She recommends comfort zone or feliway. I don't have any cats of my own, so I can't speak for this advice, but I hope it helps if you decide to take it. Let me just let you know i'm not taking any advice from a woman with 14 cats what the fuck is going on with your aunt 14 cats is unacceptable i'm sure your aunt is a lovely person and you're gonna hate me for saying this but why would i take advice from her i'm gonna get a little plug-in diffuser i'm gonna like restrict the cat to one room what is your aunt has 14 rooms in her house it's a slippery slope and i don't want to start loving this cat so much that i turn into your aunt who lives at the cat castle jesus i hope that (laughs) Your aunt is okay because fuck, if those cats turn against her, it's game over. She is outnumbered. Catherine, I hated my beautiful dog after birth. I'm a big fan of yours. I've been listening to your podcast since I gave birth to my first child, a baby boy born last November. Two years prior to this, my husband and I got a dog. She's the sweetest, most gentle-natured Italian greyhound cross. But after having my son, I found that I either didn't think about her for a second or worse, I just completely ignored her. I know it's strange, so I wondered if it was something to do with being a new mom, but it still didn't change how I felt towards this dog. I'd even set up a space for her to sleep on the floor in our bedroom, and I used to love her snuggling under the duvet at my feet. It's getting a bit better now, and I am letting her in our bed again, but I felt she was dirty or in the way, and while it's sad to say this to you now, I just think you have to fake it till you make it. Smile. Say nice things to Sarah Pascoe. Was that your cat's name? Yes, it is. Until it becomes real. I've been trying to give her extra fuss over the past few weeks, and we're finally starting to get our bond back. Fake it till you make it, huh? Be nice to the cat, and then I'll like the cat? Oh my god. This woman's included a photo of the aforementioned Italian Greyhound Cross. He's fucking cute. I mean, of course you like that dog. Listen, Amy, I'm not dealing with an adorable dog. I'm dealing with a cat. Here's another email. Catherine, your story about hating your cat ever since Fred's arrival sounded familiar to me. Once upon a time, I was a proud cat mom to the sweetest, most cuddly cat ever, Nero. I loved Nero so much, definitely as much as a mother loves their child. Or at least, that's what I thought until I had a human baby. Then I realized not only did I, in fact, not love my cat like my own child, I didn't even like him anymore. (laughs) I started to find him disgusting, which is ironic since at this point I was regularly covered in baby puke. (laughs) So I did what any good former cat mom should do. I gave my cat away to my childless little sister. 
I know that logically this would be a bit trickier for you since your sisters live across the ocean, but nevertheless, I strongly recommend this option so that you can continue to see your cat periodically. I think once your cat has been successfully rehomed, you'll be much happier and even like seeing your cat at Christmas every year. Sisters are the best. And the letters keep coming. Catherine, I also hate the cat. I relate 100% to your current hatred. Notice I say current though, because it does get better. Before having my two children, now five and three, my husband and I had two cats named Fred and Neymar. Fred is from Canada too. We lived there for four years and I convinced my husband that we should foster cats as we couldn't have one permanently knowing that we would be returning to the UK at some point and it would be crazy expensive to bring them home. Turns out, Fred was awesome, and we kept him. We brought him back to the UK at great expense. When I was pregnant with my oldest, I was genuinely concerned that I wouldn't be able to love the children as much as I loved the cats, because these were my babies. Ha! When the kids came along, the cats quickly went from babies to worst housemates ever. After sleep-deprived nights, they woke me up during naps by scratching my ankles. They were constantly annoying me. To be fair, my cats were just being cats and bringing in mice and throwing up on the stairs. However, now that the kids are older and enjoy feeding the cats, the cats have realized that my kids are pretty decent humans and I'll find them all cuddling together, ew, and the kids scheming to give the cats treats behind my back. In short, the cat hatred stage is short-lived and in my experience closely related to the amount or lack of sleep that I had. No, no, I don't want Fred ever cuddling this cat. You don't know what kind of cat I'm dealing with. She's like a fur bomb and I'm getting plenty of sleep, so <laughs> no. Catherine, I hated the cat too. I hated the cat after having my daughter. I had two cats. They were the loves of my life for many years until my daughter was born. I was, as you say, Victorian poor. 21, new baby with an arsehole man. And if that wasn't bad enough, my cats started pissing everywhere. They pissed and shot all over everything that was anything to do with the baby. This along with bringing in half dead but still able to run around my freaking house, mice, and even dropping them into my baby's lap? What the hell? They scratched up my beautiful old-fashioned pram that had been gifted to me. So I rehomed them. Just rehome this cat. Cats are assholes. Cats deserve to be loved and treasured. And you, along with people who hate their cats after having a baby, deserve to have less stress in your life. Wow, lots of extremes, lots of advice. I don't feel that I can rehome the cat. I know that these feelings pass, and I sort of feel like the best thing to do is to take some advice from the cat castle lady and you see what you've done by owning 14 cats you're known as the cat castle lady how do you feel about that i mean you might want to rehome half of them half of them seven cats but you do give good advice thank you for reaching out to your aunt because i think if i restrict sarah pasco to a few rooms of the house that will mean she doesn't have access to the carpet and also it will mean that she can't antagonize the dogs in the night, which she does love to do. She sort of struts past their crates and um, dogs love being in crates, by the way. It's not a punishment. It's like a safe bed for them. They're happy. They go in there without being forced. You know, you just ask them to go. They're happy to go. Sometimes in the middle of the day, we just find them in their crates. The door's always open. They're relaxing. And um, yeah, the cat is now going to be sequestered. You live in the kitchen, cat. You're going to have litter and toys and food and water in there. And you can piss off for the whole night. And then maybe I'll start feeding her outside as well. She can go outside while the weather is nice. Go outside, but I won't be rehoming her. And I hope that these feelings pass. 
Something related to animals, and this is, again, not going to be very popular opinion, but I've had it with people whose job it is to go into strangers' homes, but they're afraid of dogs. I get it. If you had an encounter with a dog, maybe you were bitten by, you know, a big guard dog, or maybe you don't like big black labs or a German Shepherd's fine. But I can't tell you how many COVID tests I have had to have in the last year, like let's say average two a week. And because I'm fancy and because these tests are being paid for by production, they're not the little take at home tests. They send like NHS representatives. I don't even know what to call these people because they're not nurses. I talk to them, like some of them have a theater background, some of them like are cleaners, some I don't know who these people are. Basically, if you're out of work right now in any industry, you can retrain as some like creepy stranger who goes into homes and shoves a swab up someone's nose and tickles their frontal lobe of their brain. Like that is kind of hard, delicate work to do. But all the people that come into my house are from all different walks of life. I mean, who knows if they're even official. Just I will let any old person into my house with a little cotton swab. Come on in. But it pisses me off. When they're afraid of dogs, we had this woman the other day, and this happens genuinely very regularly, but the woman the other day, she was really nice. She had her daughter waiting in the car, which is inappropriate. Invite the daughter in. And um, it's a hot day, windows up. And she's like, oh my God, will you please restrain your animals? I was like, are you joking? She was afraid of Megan. It's one thing to be a little bit wary of Cardi. Cardi is tiny, black poodle, but she bounces along and she's friendly, so she wants to approach you. But Megan is like like a houseplant with fur. Megan doesn't even come near people when they go to the door. Maybe Megan will go get one of her toys, but she's so... I mean, if you've seen my Instagram, Meg Ryan is like two kilos and an absolute idiot tiny short legs she can't jump up on anybody she doesn't try she can't even run she can hardly breathe and people are like oh my god get that dog away from me and it's like I know that I'm meant to be mindful of people's phobias and I know this is a rude thing to say but next time I feel like I'm just gonna be like don't come in my house then like I really don't care to take this COVID test took one two days ago um I'm not gonna bend over backwards literally while holding Fred to like collect all my teeny tiny dogs off the floor and lock them in a room or put them in their crates because don't go to people's homes like 50% of people surely are dog owners cat owners lizards I don't know what people have frogs snakes like don't come into my house then if you're afraid go get a job where dogs aren't gonna be there these people coming in like oh my god and I said are you seriously even afraid of Megan and I held Megan up And the lady was like, yes, fine. So I had to like scurry around, get all the dogs who could not be less interested in this lady so that she could come into my kitchen and perform like a procedure that I didn't even want. And I've had it. And this has happened with different, like there's one company where you can get a blow dry. I needed a blow dry last minute and I'd done something to my back. So I ordered on an app this woman to come do a blow dry and she was afraid of that oh please lock up the dogs please get a job where you're not coming to my house masseuses come around oh please please will you lock up your dogs no work in a salon then oh I'm sorry it's just been a long week and I don't want to lock up my dogs and here's another thing that happened that is crazy that maybe has me on edge I needed to get a manicure a pedicure because 
I'm filming a lot and it's just part of the job, especially when you're filming the jewelry show because they zoom in on my fingers a lot. So I hadn't been to the nail salon since Fred was born and I love the people there. I needed to get a manicure, fine. So I said, let's go, Fred. I packed Fred up in the car and he's a spoiled baby. He doesn't have to come out on the town with me as much as Violet did as an infant and he doesn't love the car. He can get a bit squirrely in the car. So I pack him up, I've got his diaper bag, I've got him in the car seat in the back, and I'm driving eight minutes away to the nail salon. It is not far. And then I had to find parking on a residential road where, you know, you're only allowed to park there certain hours of the day. The parking spaces are mostly tight, like tied up, but I found one parked in it. And it took a few minutes to find that space. So the car wasn't moving enough for Fred. He wasn't getting the sleepy vibrations that he wanted from being going like 30 kilometers an hour. So, of course, he started to cry. I couldn't get to him because usually I respond to his crying right away. So by the time I parked, I came around to the back and Fred was like having a bit of a meltdown. So the thing to do in that instance always is to breastfeed. It solves every problem. Even when kids get a bit bigger, they fall and scrape their knee, breastfeed. They can't sleep, breastfeed. They're sad, breastfeed. They're cold out of the bath. You get where I'm going with this. I needed to calm him down. I wasn't going to go straight into the nail salon. So I'm in the back seat next to the car seat, breastfeeding Fred. And I'm just sat there. He's calming down and I'm just, you know, gathering us so that I can finish feeding him, pack the bag, and then we'll walk into the nail salon. But a family came out of a house on this residential road. And they're like, goodbye, Linda. An incredible visit. Yeah, see you next time. All this business. And a middle-aged woman, this Linda, walks over to my car and opens the front passenger door. And her husband's like, Linda, what are you thinking about? That's not your vehicle. You know, Linda's just, you know, menopause, does crazy things to your mind. She's like, oh, yeah, that's not my car, Martin. What a wally I've been. And then everyone from the house notices, wait a minute, but Linda, you were able to open that door. How strange. And Linda's like, but the door's open. Isn't that odd? Meanwhile, I'm in the car, right in the back seat, and these people don't see me. They've opened my front passenger door. They're having a laugh about how it's unlocked. They're looking around me like, who leaves a car door open like this? But I couldn't call out to them. I couldn't be like, hello, I'm in the back seat feeding Fred. Because, I mean, I'm very quiet in my real life. I didn't want to startle him. So I'm just sat there like waiting for them to notice me. So Linda shuts the door. They have a bit more of a chat about like how weird it is to have an unlocked car. Does Linda walk away to her own car? No, she can't believe what she stumbled upon. So she just has to check. She walks round to the driver's seat. Now this is right in front of me. I'm in the back. She opens the driver door. She's like, Martin, look at this. Even the driver's seat is open. Martin's like, can't believe it, Linda. Who leaves a Range Rover unlocked in the middle of the day? That's not enough. She slams that door. Fred does a little reflex jump. Good to know he's developing properly. She walks around to the back where his car seat is, opens that door. So now she has opened three of the four doors. She's only left the boot and the door like right next to me. She's like, look, Martin, there's a car seat. Maybe the woman's had a screaming baby and she's run off in an array. My God, Linda, look at that. Every door is open and I'm sat right there. I don't understand how these people cannot see me. Yes, I have tinted windows, but the door's open. I'm sat exactly next to the car seat and they're just chatting away. I'm like, please shut the fuck up before you wake my baby. Just look at me, Linda. Just raise your eyes up a little bit. Look me in the face. I was just gonna sit there until they spotted me. 
and they never did. She shut the door. They had another chat about how odd it was that a car was left unattended and unlocked. They climbed into their own car, but not before slagging off Range Rovers. Martin's like, I don't want a Range Rover anyway. It's not my favorite car. Linda's like, oh, well, then I guess we won't be nicking it. Ha, ha, ha. They got back in their jalopy and drove off. And this went on, like the total interaction. I mean, call it an interaction. They never saw me was like five minutes long, which is a long time when you've got your tits out. But I just felt very violated. Like, fine, open one door and be like, whoops, that's not my car. I mean, we've been there. I have gotten into people's cars at like a traffic stop because I thought it was an Uber. And I don't know how to identify kinds of cars. Like, it's an honest mistake. The driver just looks shocked. And I'm like, whoops, sorry, thought you were an Uber. That's what you get for having something that looks like a Prius in LA. <laughs> um, but to walk around the car and open almost every door and be like, can't believe it. Like, fuck off. Weird. People are weird. Anyway, I got to stay chill on this podcast because I actually use it to put Fred to sleep. This is a revelation. So he wakes up now every three hours, thanks to the lactation consultant. He used to wake up sort of every two hours. Now it's like every three or four because he's getting enough milks and we have solved his reflux and it's just all going so well. And we have the snoo. It's a really good bed from the happiest baby. I mean, this is not an ad, but it's 30% off all the time. Sort of like DFS sofas are always half off. The snoo is 30% off all the time. So don't feel in a rush to buy it if you're looking online. It will still be 30% off when your baby is born. But it's this bassinet that goes by the bed or goes wherever. It's really safe for them and it sways and um, plays white noise. And they can sleep really well in that when they're small. It swaddles them. It's from the same wisdom as the, the five S's. The happiest Baby used to be like a book and a DVD and it was about shushing and swaddling and soothing and shit. I forget the five S's but anyway the snooze great. And Fred goes back to sleep. He wakes up to eat a little bit but to get him back down is pretty easy and I don't put him in the snoo every time because sometimes I just want him to sleep next to me and I know he'll be up in a while to feed anyway and I'm selfish like that. Oh yeah that's the fifth S. Selfish. And I realized that if I put my podcast on pretty quiet, he falls immediately to sleep. We can put him to sleep for naps, like short sleeps. All you have to do if he's already tired is lay him down and put the podcast on my phone. And he just listens to my voice and falls asleep. Is that because I'm his mother or do your babies do that? There will never be any screaming on this podcast. No like jarring noises. Maybe the adverts every once in a while are like a different pace. But um, my voice just soothes him. Maybe he just likes the ambient noise of me talking. I don't know. But listen, if you're having trouble getting your newborn to sleep, try my podcast. If that doesn't work, then start your own podcast. Maybe it has to be the mother's voice. I don't know. Or just like read out loud from a book or something with your own voice. I mean, it works a treat. I put one hand on him, put that podcast on, he's out. So that's my advice from me to you. Who knew my podcast had so many uses? Anyway, speaking of adverts, we're going to have to listen to some now. So uh, turn the volume down if you have a sleeping baby because there's going to be a little music. And we'll see you back here in a minute. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, hi, hi. Really good emails this week. I hope to give you some advice that helps you in your life. If you would like to write me an email for next week, that address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Let's get to the first one. Catherine, I have a friend of about 12 years. We've lived together. I was in her wedding. We have holidayed. We are very close. We have been for a long time. Since I had my baby, though, she's become very unsupportive and has no interest in him. We even met up, and every time I mentioned the baby, she said nothing, or she actually changed the subject, and then she didn't even want to hold him. I approached her about this afterwards, and I asked if I'd said or done something to upset her, as I really value this friendship. She replied that she had no energy for my baby. She was too busy, and she had new friends without children. This message was incredibly hurtful. Being a first-time mom in lockdown and the pandemic has been quite challenging, and it's been harder with no support from my quote-unquote closest friend. I replied, if that's how you feel, and we haven't spoken since. I felt for my mental health and well-being, it was best to avoid negativity. However, I now wonder, months down the line, whether I should have spoken up more about my hurt and upset at her reaction. Upset at her reaction. My gut feeling is my son is so important to me and I can't have a friendship with someone who wants nothing to do with him and that someone who behaves in such a way is not really my friend, but still I feel sad. Advice on if this has ever happened to you and what you would do. Ugh, I hate to say it. I'm kind of the one who does this. I I can't hang around with people whose children are a problem for me. Like if they have a newborn, that's one thing, but if they have older children who are misbehaved adjust. I'm worried that I'll say something or it's just too stressful and I honestly can't deal with it. And I do distance myself from chaos. So it's difficult to say. I mean, first of all, if you are in need and you're lonely in a pandemic, whatever's going on in your life, your friend should be there for you. Having said that, a newborn is a lot. It's a lot of chaotic energy for people to deal with. And this is why a lot of them choose not to be parents. I mean, it sounds very Carrie Bradshaw in that Sex and the City episode where Carrie had made personal life choices to spend her money on shoes and frivolity in New York. And her friends had made other choices like to get married and to have kids. So Carrie went to a baby shower with a beautiful gift and the mother her friend told her to take her shoes off these were manolo blonics she didn't want to take them off and chuck them in a pile but she did so out of respect the shoes were stolen and the mom wouldn't replace them she was like well carrie like it's not my fault you spend so much on shoes and then carrie sent out wedding invitations she said i'm getting married to myself here's where i'm registered and made the mom buy her shoes back feels to me like your friends with 
like a Carrie Bradshaw type person who's like, no, I want nothing to do with family life. I see where your friend is coming from and I have been guilty of doing the same thing, but ultimately you deserve people who are going to stay there with you through thick and thin. You deserve friends who are like, this sucks. You have a newborn and I'm not into it, but I am into you and we'll be in this together and I'll help you and I'll hold the baby and I'll give you time to have a nap or I'll put a load of laundry on for you. You know, those are the high quality friends that you need. I would just say, I wouldn't take it personally against your son. You say it like she wants nothing to do with him. I mean, it's not like she hates him. She just hates probably the idea of him. (laughs) Uh, Maybe she doesn't know that you are so hurt by it and you're in need. I know you reached out to her, but maybe you need to be like, I'm very lonely and I need your friendship. And I know that newborns are not your vibe, but I need you to take it on the chin and be there for me. Ooh, here's a spicy one. Ooh, Catherine, is racism enough to end my marriage? Catherine, I'm 32 years old. I'm a white British woman who's been married for five years. Last year, during the BLM Black Lives Matter movement, I learned a lot about the black community, and I was happy to join the rally and support the cause. During this time, my husband started to make small comments that needed to be challenged. These were not hateful comments directed at anyone, but little jokes that I didn't find funny. As time's gone on, it's getting worse. I'm not going to go into what he says because no one needs to hear it. I challenge what he says, and I try to explain that it isn't funny, but he seems to get a kick out of the fact that I don't like it. Total jerk. It's making me resent him. After the World Cup, his comments hit an all-time high and were overheard by my young children who are four and six. The following week, I was called into their school and told they had been repeating these comments. I was mortified. It's caused a huge amount of fighting, and I've had enough. I don't want my children to hear, repeat, or believe any of the things he says. I want them to love and respect everyone. I'm considering leaving him, but is it worth ripping my family apart? Wow. Well, first of all, if that's what you decide, you are not the one ripping your family apart. A lot of actions have consequences, and I feel like... When someone pushes you away by being a jerk, by purposely engaging in behavior that annoys you, I mean, it's bad enough. It's terrible that it's racism that's annoying you. But I mean, it's it's even bad enough that he's doing anything that he knows you find extremely distasteful and hurtful and he continues to do it. Whatever that may be, like you have vocalized, you're like, I don't want this for our family. I don't want this for our children. I am vehemently opposed to the positions that you're taking, to the jokes that you're making, and you're hurting me. If my husband knew he was doing something, anything that hurt me, repeated that behavior and got to the point where the school was getting called because my children were repeating him, like at what point does he need to know that his behavior is unacceptable? Like the principal ringing you up is a really good indication. I used to say to Pam, my therapist, I was like, well... I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It was this whole existential exploration where I'd had an ex who felt one way and I felt another way and I was so gaslit. I couldn't see what was right and wrong. I was like, I think I'm right, but he really thinks he's right. So maybe he's right. And Pam was like, no, there are like clues in society that tell you you're right. You know, for example, someone isn't paying child support. Well, that's illegal. So they're wrong. For example, the principal's calling you because your four-year-old and six-year-old are being racist at school. Well, whatever precipitated that behavior is wrong. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, maybe there's a way to salvage it. Maybe. I mean, he sounds like an asshole, but... Oh, 
Yeah, I think I couldn't respect someone who had those views. And that's the danger when you lose respect in a relationship. And it really doesn't sound like he has respect for you, let alone the black community. You know, he's disrespecting you by continuing to wind you up with something very serious. He doesn't respect your children if he wants to engage in behavior that's getting them in trouble at school and getting phone calls home. You know, he's he's being really problematic. It wasn't a one-time thing. He knows it's bad and he keeps doing it. I would be resentful too and I wouldn't respect him. He's like pushing his own family away and losing your respect. So maybe it is worth, because my mom would say, um, you have to earn your way out of a commitment. So that means like you married this guy, you had kids with this guy, so it's fine to take the steps to make sure you've tried absolutely everything before you leave, if that's what you want to do, so that you're left with no guilt about ending the marriage. I would be like, this is so serious to me that you're not taking it seriously, but we need to go to a counselor or a therapist and discuss this with a neutral third party so that he can really see how, you know, how much it hurts you. And then if he still chooses to carry on, yeah, I think that's as much of a problem as the racism is. And I think this is happening in a lot of families right now, and it's sad. There are people who oppose the BLM movement specifically because they think it's political, you know, they might not be racist, but they feel like this movement is like virtue signaling. You know, I know there are lots of different viewpoints. So you haven't really gotten into exactly what his stance is, but he is disrespecting you because he knows he's making you sad. And if he doesn't stop and you don't respect him, I would leave him. And it wasn't you who tore your family apart. Next letter, choosing the surname for your children when they have different fathers. Catherine, I wanted to get in touch to hear your thoughts on how you decide which surnames to give your kids, particularly when both parents have different names and or the kids have different fathers. I have a semi-similar motherhood story to yourself. I became pregnant at 17 with my first daughter and I did not want to give her her dad's name because in short, he was then and has since proven himself to always be a loser. Well done. Good foresight. I knew I would be the main caregiver to this child and wanted that familiarial familiarial link familiarial wait a minute wait a minute. let's work this out together familiarial familiarial family link to her with our names I didn't want to lumber her with the name of a person I knew wasn't worthy of it yes like why the default is still to give them their father's names is so wacky to me and by the way the hospital if you're not married will automatically give the baby your name or actually Bobby and I are married but they put baby Ryan on Fred's information, his little newborn discharge certificate, because they always give the baby the mother's surname, and my surname is still Ryan. So that's progressive. That's the way it should be. Like, why? Why automatically the dad? Ugh, good for you. So at 17, and while six months pregnant, I changed my surname and chose from out of the blue a family name for myself and my child, a whole new name. This is because I still had my father's name and my father and I were estranged. Therefore, I had the choice of giving her A, her loser dad's name, B, my loser dad's name. So I thought, no, I will create something new just for us. And we changed our last name to what I chose. And that's what's on her birth certificate. I'm very proud of it. And my sister later changed her name to this as well. That is so cool. You could have an amazing, like you could be the McLovin family. You could be anything. You could be like John Legend, the singer. That's not his name. I love that you don't have to be in the entertainment industry to have a pseudonym, you know, like a stage name. (gasps) 
I'm dying to know what your last name is, but I know you can't tell me and I wouldn't read it out anyway because it's private. I was a single parent with some serious but ultimately not lasting relationships for 11 years and then I met my partner, my Bobby Kay if you will. I'd spend my 20s raising my daughter, working my way through uni, qualifying as a midwife, my favorite job, reaching the top of my clinical field and basically achieving a ton more than anyone expected me to do when I was pregnant and single at 17. I love you. That's not relevant to the story. I'm just very proud of myself. Good. (laughs) We're very proud of you too. We wanted to hear that on the podcast. My partner and I now own a beautiful home. My eldest daughter, of course, lives with us. And after some years of infertility, we finally welcomed our first baby together in June 2020. So I had a conundrum with naming this baby. I didn't want both of my daughters to have different surnames. I wanted their connection, but I also wanted my partner to have a link to her too. In the end, we settled on the double-barreled name of his surname, my new surname. I kind of wish I had put his surname as a middle name in the way you've given Fred Ryan as a middle name. Anyway, I'd love to hear how you guys found making this decision and how Violet feels about it. I know that really names don't mean that much and I'm not at all implying or suggesting that it's wrong the way you've named your children or anything. Your baby, your choice. I would just love to hear your experience. Thank you and I hope the family are well. We didn't know what Fred's gender would be before he was born because, I mean, that's meaningless anyway, and we just didn't find out. We didn't care. And then he came out a boy, and his first name, Fred, is named after Bobby's dad, who tragically passed away when he was 10. Bobby was 10. And I think if Bobby ever had a son, he was just going to name him Fred Kutstra after his dad. My surname, thankfully, just is a first name. It kind of lends itself to being a middle name. And Bobby was like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to make it his surname or do a double-barreled surname or what? And it was actually my choice. I was like, why don't we just make it his middle name, Fred, Ryan as a middle name, Kutstra, because I don't like middle names. I think that I know they're designed to have a nod to your family. Like if you have like an Alexander in your family, then you make that a middle name or something. But it just, we didn't have any family names like that since my sister, Joe, Anne, rudely stole like all of my dad's middle names with one child actually Joanne, i've never raised this with you how dare you so you have one son and you want to give him two of dad's middle names and the best ones as well my dad's name is finbar no one's no one's taken that joseph jude cornelius ryan all right and joanne names her son richard joseph jude and joseph jude are the best ones and jude is the best one so i think jude would be an acceptable middle name but now i can't use it And um, Joanne is greedy. She could have just gone with Joseph, but no, fine, here we are. So I just thought, let's make Fred's middle name rhyme, his last name Kutstra. And now we have two Ryan girls, me and Violet, Violet and me, and we have two Kutstra boys. So I think going forward, if we have more children, we've just decided, split it down the middle, the girls are going to be Ryan's and the boys are going to be Kutstra's. And I know that that is very binary of us and we suck. But um, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't think children should automatically get their dad's name. And I don't like double barreling Ryan Kutstra. I just felt like, nah, whatever. Kutstra. Fred Kutstra. Thank you so much for your emails. It's the end of the podcast now, but I'm going to do something that I don't have permission to do and might be very illegal. I'm going to read just a little bit now every week from my book, The Audacity by Catherine Ryan, available for pre-order now. Um, it's great if you pre-order. I always say this. I don't normally care like what you do, how you live your life. I just want you to be happy and healthy and well and only spend your money on the things that you need. 
Um, having said that, this book is half off at some places, so I'm not sure I'm allowed to mention things, but just if you are going to pre-order it, look around and get it half off if that's what you want. Or if you want to support like a local bookshop or if you want a limited edition or you want a signed copy, then those ones are full price. But what I'm going to do now is read from the book every week. Am I allowed to do that? Am I going to receive cease and desist letters from the publisher legally? I don't really know. But I think I'm going to start with how to waste all your money on designer dogs. Chapter, I don't know what chapter this is. Ahem. Up until the mid-1990s, we'd been a cat family. My parents captured Eddie, a wounded kitten they'd found in the street, while trick-or-treating with me on the night of my first proper Halloween in 1984. Eddie was missing his tail and had been through the sort of trauma that turns you into a violent asshole with zero desire to be domesticated. For this reason, I can't exactly call our actions a rescue, but more of a well-meaning midnight abduction. We held this feral creature hostage for nearly three years, and all I remember is that Eddie tried to kill me every single day of his life until he was able to escape one night while under my grandfather's idle care. I respected Eddie. He exploited my granddad's only weakness, alcoholism, and grabbed his opportunity for freedom by darting out of an open door. That, or my granddad got rid of him. If the latter is true, no one's ever told me, and I'm pretty confident they would have fessed up to it by now. In any case, Eddie was swiftly replaced by an absolute princess called Roxanne. My cats have always had gender issues, actually, because Roxanne was a boy, but we thought she was a girl. Okay. She was a gorgeous, snow-white Turkish Angora whose gentle demeanor charmed anyone who came to the house. Roxanne was famous in the neighborhood, where she roamed around making friends without ever running off, as she was proud to remain our trophy cat. Also, Roxanne was trans. Oh, I forgot that I explained this in the book. The vet said she was a boy when he neutered her, but we knew that she wanted to live as a glamorous woman and respected her true spirit from the start. I know what you're thinking. Maybe he was just gay. And honestly, how dare you? I think it's sad that you don't know the difference, and I hope you use this moment as an opportunity for personal growth. You're canceled. Innocent of the horrors of Eddie, my sisters were born knowing only Roxanne. It was the first of many times I bore the brunt of my parents' first try, while the younger girls got to experience the smooth, refined second try. Roxanne enjoyed nearly a decade of bliss before my dad ruined things by bringing home Jake. On that day, I could barely see the sheet music through the usual floods of tears pouring from my eyes while I dutifully practiced the piano in our basement. I hated that I played piano. I hated that everyone in the house could hear me making mistakes. I hated that my mother weaponized my talents against me by collecting me late from chess club and saying things like you are naturally more gifted than your sister and that's why we're forcing you to work the most and try the hardest this was my poison chalice if i were a 10 year old child today i would simply refuse to play piano and initiate a standoff until my parents relented but in the 1990s i was unaware that i could opt out of following the rules if no one's told you that lately it's true you are allowed to challenge authority but i didn't know that as a little girl Sometimes I think they didn't want women in the Sometimes I think they didn't want to let women in on the hotly guarded secret of imaginary barriers, but I'm encouraged to see how many of us have found our voices and since figured it out. My music teacher only egged on my mother further by saying, "The Chinese aren't afraid to make their kids work." I didn't understand why I was being punished for my advanced fine motor skills and for not being Chinese, but I tried my best not to disappoint anyone and seethed with rage as I banged on the keys as hard as I could. I'm not going to read anymore, but basically we got a dog and he's called Jake. And my piano teacher was very racist. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to pre-order The Audacity, I would appreciate that if you're going to end up getting it anyway. It's coming out in less than two months. I'm going on tour in less than one month. I kick it off pretty much a month from now in Crawley, and I'm so excited to be on tour with Mrs. There are tickets available for that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for emailing into the podcast. I love having your uh, conversation, your advice, your support, and I will talk to you soon. Please look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com